Welcome to another Odyssey House Journal. I'm Trip Mitchell, along with Randall Carlisle. How are you doing, Trip? I am good. Me uh, too. This has been we up in our 40s now, show-wise. I am so proud. Show-wise, show. not age-wise. No, God, I wish I was age-wise in my 40s. Well, how do you look so youthful? Is it not drinking? Could that be a factor? Well, when I started going to school and and thinking about being an anchor man, I met this drug dealer who gave me <laughs> who gave me some pills, and they were called anchor pills. And he said, if you take these for the rest of your life, your hair will always be perfect, and you'll stay young. So that's what I've been. No. <laughs> sounds like I'm supporting drug use there. Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds now, a little If there scary. was a pill like that, I don't know. I have good genes. That's good. All. Randall was a longtime newsman, and his last job was at Channel 4, and was very lucky because you've gotten an opportunity to work at Odyssey House and love everything you're doing, and Channel 4 was nice enough to let you out of yeah. the contract. And this is the best job I've ever had. I, I, look for, I actually look forward to going to work every day and sleep very well at night because I know that what we're doing doesn't work for everybody, but the people it works for, it's saving lives. And, and to me, you know, you, television news is important, even though there are people who call it fake news, but uh, I wonder who that is. Uh, anyway. <laughs> probably having a bad day today. Yeah, yeah, he must have been. But, and I realize it's important, but in terms of saving lives, it doesn't save lives. You know, it informs people. But. Sure. And one of the reasons that Randall and I met across the street at the AA Central office across from this <laughs> studio and said, why don't we do a podcast? And Lee, who's been helping us from day one, believed in it. And we do it now as a TV show. And we've got typically about 12,000 people who listen to the show every listen week. Listen or watch. Yeah. You can, and you can listen on Spotify or iTunes and just Google uh, Odyssey House Journals and it'll give you a link to our YouTube channel as well, so you can watch it, so you can you can see your handsome face, Trip. As, as well people should. Yes. And I want to thank Thorpe and Travis Thorpe for using his studio. We've got some new graphics here. We are about that. Upscale, yeah. baby. We are, we are getting there, and uh, Travis for handling the sound, and it's good. So real quick, before we start, we're going to meet Damon in just a second. We're going to give out a phone number. So if you've got someone in your family, a friend, or yourself, and you're feeling despondent, you're feeling like things are not going right, the great news is, is there are so many people who want to help. And one of the expressions in AA, in order to keep sobriety, you've got to give it away, and, and that's so true in the treatment community. People want to help. And, and you know, our, our uh, slogan is recovery is possible, uh, you know, and it, and it is. He's an example. I'm exa we're all examples, right? So the number, as you were alluding to, is 801-322-3222. And if you want to try that at home, 801-322. Are you going to finish it? Or no, I'm going to let you 3 finish two, it. 3222. <laughs> We are we work so well together. Yeah. Timing is the key. So Damon, welcome to the show. Thanks Thank for coming you. on. Thanks for having me. Damon Harris, he's a he's a shining star in our program. He uh, he's case manager at our adult downtown uh, residential facility, and and I've observed Damon. The thing I think that's cool about Damon is he's been there, done that, uh, both in terms of using and being on the street and being in recovery. And so he relates really well to just about everyone that he runs into. But maybe you could share your shape. Last, last week we had Mike V on, mm -hmm. okay, and, and you, were, you were talking before this that you were actually in, in the program with him. Yeah, yeah. So me, like with Mike V, I remember, so after coming to a conclusion that I needed help, um, uh, it was my 
eight treatment episode. Um, it was 2010. I arrived. Slow learner. Yeah, slow. Well, you know, I got to. I'm kind of extra, so you know, I got to do a little more than most. But um, I think like I just, you know, I was. I've been to prison before, and I was. I validated going back, and so I knew that like if I didn't get in treatment, that that was gonna occur, you know. So I. Odyssey House was one place where I was trying to avoid <laughs> for the life of me, you know, and I, that's why I went everywhere else, everywhere else, but everywhere else didn't really, uh, you know, help me at all. So, because a lot of those places, they'll, you know, you go to groups, and just as long as you go to your groups, you, you pay your rent, and you provide clean urinalysis, you can, you know, pretty much stay, but they didn't give you, like, a platform to practice the information, right? Because the information, all information is useless if it's not practiced, right? And so, you know, with Odyssey, you know, I arrived and I was really nervous because they were, you know, they were kind of asking me, I thought, I, in my mind, was crazy, crazy stuff. Like, um, they wanted me to be accountable. They wanted me to be uh, vulnerable. They wanted me to talk about, you know, some of the pain that I've been keeping secret for a long time. And I was like, uh, yeah, I think it'll probably happen anytime soon, but I'm not going <laughs> to leave. So we'll just hang out and we'll see how this works out, right? And so, you know, just going through the program, and back then it was, it was a two and a half, three year program. So I knew I had a while to kind of not do anything, be inactive, right? Because you know, a lot of times we've got to sit there for a while before the pain gets great enough, before we start, you know, acting, you know, in ways that are, are better for us. So, you know, I just go through the program and um, it was, yeah, it was long. I just remember that being long. And so I, you know, I started... Like, I think my first, so I used to write, you know, there's an encounter process there, right? And they want you to be accountable for your feelings, your thoughts, your behaviors, other, you know, people in your community. And a lot of times people don't respond very well to that, right? Um, you know, you might hold them accountable and they treat you a certain way because you haven't been given permission to be honest. And that's kind of a cultural thing. Like, a lot of times in our culture, we're not, we don't say things because we haven't been given permission, right? So, you know, I had to kind of work through that. And so I, you know, I was not writing real ones. Like I'd write these real soft, mild ones, safety ones. I wouldn't put them on individuals. I'd just kind of umbrella, you know, level groups or whatever. And because there's safety in that, because then I didn't have to experience any rejection from any, you know, one person. So I, I was really good at that, you know. Like, <laughs> so you were just kind of faking it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was faking it. And so I was real, but, you know, half real. You know what I mean? There's some realness to it, but I wasn't being entirely real. So, and just kind of go through that process. Um, and I, I've had, you know, I've, I come from a, a lot of childhood trauma. And so I've had, you know, a lot of uh, personal, uh, I guess, opinions about rejection, right? Because just when you get a lot of childhood trauma, it's just a constant state of rejection. And so, and so your alcohol or drug drug abuse was not a reflection of you just woke up one day and go you know it'd be fun to get high no this no. was a reflection of a lot of issues yeah right? a lot of you know to, you know well, if I could just kind of touch on some of it you know when I was five my father was a heroin addict he uh overdosed so that was kind of like my first real you know monumental experience that was like real painful and just sometimes when you're a child you kind of Maybe you don't interpret reality as accurately as, as you should, and you know that was just kind of like evidence that like, what's wrong with me or why is this you know what I mean happening? And then no, it's no reflection on you. No, yeah, yeah, but you kind of you know as a kid you, you internalize kind of, that. Yeah, you yeah. personalize things, you know, and so and, and nobody sits down with you and kind of works that out with you and gives you a different kind of explanation, right? At least nobody in my uh, family did. And so 
And just some other things, you know, my mother married a, he, I call him a tyrant. Um, he was really abusive to me and my mother. And so, you know, the climate of domestic violence is not really helpful to any child either. So, you know, when I was um, a teenager, I got, I, I, you know, started getting bigger and, you know, I wanted to stand up for myself. So I got tired of the situation. So I decided to just kind of run away, you know, and so Found me, found me, you know, found me a little family um, in the streets of Salt Lake downtown that, you know, came from the same experiences I did. And we, you know, you find bonds through that, right? And so, but the culture, you know, was, you know, drug use, um, drinking. And so. How old were you at the time, David? I think I was about 15. 15 and homeless. Yeah. Yeah. Found myself, you know, homeless. I would, you know, I'd be allowed to come back, you know. But I didn't want to go back, but sometimes, you know, after a few months, you're kind of tired and you like, want to go rest up for a couple weeks and then you get tired of that and you go back, you know. So I would come back periodically, but I just got tired of that, that dynamic, that family dynamic. And it was just a lot um, on my spirit, you know. So and then how we cope with it, you know, we were like in school, nobody's ever taught how to, you know, uh, regulate emotionally or how to cope, you know, or there's not a lot of those teachings in schools, right? So. And my, you know, stepfather was like, you will be a man at seven. And this is what men do. They do not cry, you know. So I was kind of programmed to just be really silent and stoic and, you know, just kind of white knuckle reality. And that's just really painful inside, right? And so, of course, when you, you know, get a teenager and there's, you know, the drug culture, a lot of teenagers, it's kind of the rite of passage for a lot of us, you know. And so. Sadly, that, it is. Yeah, it is. And so I, you know, got involved in that. And that, that you know, I did cope with reality for a long time through that. And then when I was, uh, I think about 20, I got introduced to um, harder drugs, um, you know, cocaine and heroin, and um, IV drug use. And that's when, yeah, that's when the nightmare <laughs> really went full throttle. And then I caught myself, um, you know, getting caught. Because part of like the story too is, you know, in order to stay high or, or use drugs, you got to have a way to finance that situation. And a lot of us, we come <laughs> from poor backgrounds. We don't have yeah, a bank account to pull from, so there's, you know, the drug selling, right? So we there was drug selling all that. So, you know, when cooking heroin, that's a really expensive uh, process to kind of, you know, keep, keep afloat, right? Sure. And so, you know, we really got to figure out ways to kind of manage that. And so things you have to do, you know, they're all felonies, right? So... I would get caught and get sent to jail, and then, you know, because I was... Um, so, Damon, a quick question. Yeah. What percent of the people in jail you experienced are there because of drug? I don't know the entire, like, the percent, but I know it's it's high, you know. I would I would be safe to say probably 95%. You know, if, if it's... Maybe it was a drug-related charge, but a property crime related to trying to get drugs or violence surrounding drug use. That's shocking. I mean? So we're, we're going to take a short break. Damon's telling us an amazing story. You're watching Odyssey House Journals. That's Randall Carlisle. I'm Trip Mitchell. We'll be back after the short one. And welcome back to Odyssey House Journals. Randall Carlisle, Trip Mitchell. We're meet, visiting with Damon. And when we went to break, you were telling the story about all of a sudden when you get to a higher, a harder class of drugs, the crimes needed to pay for them mm -hmm. become felonies, and that's when life can go downhill really quickly. What yeah. happened with you? Um, so, yeah, just like in my, like when I started my 20s, then, you know, you get arrested for, you know, my thing was selling drugs or possessing them. And so, you know, I get arrested, I get some jail time, and then because I was act, they'd always send you to treatment. And 
I wasn't really like prepared for tune, but I was willing to go out quicker if you're going to release me earlier. Let's go, right? <laughs> like, I'll sign up all day for that. And so, but I knew but you were gaming this. Yeah, yeah. But I knew that you know it was just a way to get back to where I was, you know, quicker. And so you know they'd send me treatment. I might last a couple of days, and I could go back out and do. It. And then they, you know, I'd be out there a couple of weeks to catch me again doing something else. And and so anyway, that cycle lasted about five years in and out of jail. And then when I was 25, um, I, they tired of me, you know, and I, I was tired too. So, <laughs> and they actually tried to send me to Odyssey House, and I was like, "No, we're not doing none of that." And I'm like, "I'm, I'm good. Like, you can send me to prison, and we'll, you know, I'll get out quicker." Or anyway, so they sent me to prison, and that was a mistake because <laughs> there's nothing there. I was like, I should have went to Odyssey House. <laughs> um, so anyway, the same process kind of proceeded, right? Um, they give me time in prison, send me treatment, I'd run. Catch me, and I did that for about six years. Only thirty-one. Um, they, I expired my sentence, and then I, you know, thought I was because I just got out of the University of Criminality, right? Prisons, you, you know, <laughs> learn a lot more about how to get over. And you got so, your PhD at that. Yeah, I was had a couple of PhDs, yeah. at least I thought, and then you know, so I wanted to apply that information when I got out, and so I went into crazy like seven. I don't even know if I call it relapse because I was never really you know, devoted recovery, stated I was in recovery, right? And so, I just, but I went through a, a about seven year using um, stint that was really, I don't know how I worked through it. I mean, I can, we can go on hours and hours about what happened and what occurred, but the point is that I survived it and, you know, and I got the opportunity, I call it opportunity now, these weren't opportunities before, but you know, when I got arrested, I got arrested for like six one of 15s, a couple zero fives, and I knew that like, you know, I'm going back to prison, and that's where we kind of started the story, and I knew I had to get into treatment, and I knew honestly it was going to be that one place because I'd been avoiding it, right, and I just <laughs> never learned how to get real, and now I was stating, like, in honesty, like, I was kind of picking and choosing how, what honesty, pieces of honesty I want to be in, and I've always been really manipulative because, like, if you've always, if you've ever been, you know, on probation or parole, or, you know, if you had a girlfriend or a job and you weren't, like, really doing the work of those, you know, relationships, you're living a dual lifestyle. you got to create perceptions, right? you got to yeah. let people. So I've always kind of been skilled at that, um, I thought, anyway. And so uh, I just kind of worked that angle there because the program was wrong, and I was like, I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to hold people accountable, but I don't want to be here for three years either, so... So I just kind of, and I did, I was, you know, one of the problems I learned too is like, I wasn't honest about how I operated as a human being when I arrived because that lack of information worked against me because then people didn't know how to hold me accountable. So I was really good at concealing stuff. So, and, and so. For, for the first time when you're at Odyssey House, you don't have a secret spot you can go to use. You yeah, don't, yeah. You're there 24-7. Yeah, yeah. But, you, you know, sometimes using doesn't look like drugs. It looks like. You know, being dishonest, it kind of, for me, it was just like getting getting over, like on authority. That was always kind of one of my drugs of choices. So I went through Odyssey and made it through. Um, and yeah, so I graduated. I got adult probation and parole, and I relapsed all within a two-week period. It was just like boom, boom. So what I learned about that is I left probably more manipulative than I arrived. <laughs> Now, I did say if you were in treatment, that you leave better than you arrived, right? That That is yeah, yeah. kind of a that's big the, part of it. Yeah. yeah, that's the point of it, right? Well, yeah. it, that wasn't with me. But I thought, you know, after two and a half years of being there, like, sober, didn't use, like, you know, how would how are these behaviors tied into sobriety? Because I hadn't experienced a relapse, so I didn't 
really see it didn't resonate right but when i went back out it was weird the first time i got high that first day it resonated like deep i had all this recovery well odyssey noise in my head <laughs> you know and having veins full of dope like that was probably my bottom like I, and i've experienced some bottoms you know like physically spiritually but that was like it because you can't get high enough to get away from the, the information you know so it was so you know i stayed off a little bit and then i i Got the opportunity to come back, and I, I wasn't really interested because I didn't know if the outcome was going to be the same. So it, it wasn't really important for me to come back. But I, but it dawned on me, I was like, if I don't learn how to get real, nothing's ever going to change my life, right? And so when I came in the doors the second time, I just owned that I do not know. Now it was huge because, you know, I always arrive somewhere knowing everything. You can tell me nothing. I got information for you. You listen, I don't, and that's just how this operates, right? And so... It was weird when I stated that in my mind, like a world full of information that was already there, like opened up to me. And then I could, you know, kind of find out, right? And I was really clear about how I operated, who I was. I, you know, I had to clean up my program, how I did it the first time. And it was embarrassing. Cause but it, so, Damon, you're in a situation where you go through a long period. People are busting their butt to get you yeah. clean and sober. And you, you drink it, you use again in your mm -hmm. case. How embarrassing was it to walk back through those doors? It, it was. I, I mean, it took me about seven months, you know, because I was like, oh, no, I'm not doing that right now. But uh, <laughs> I'll be there in a while if I ever get there. But, yeah, it, it was embarrassing. You, you've all, all our interviews, you've seen, like, the one with the hardest head. Yeah, yeah, I probably am, for sure. Well, it took a long time. Yeah. But you embraced it finally. Yeah, and, and I, it I did embrace it. And I think, you know, my story isn't, that abnormal i mean maybe as far as guests but like a lot of our clients have the same kind of story where we're just a lot of trauma because i think back then like they didn't link to the trauma to addiction it was just you know more about a behavioral problem or you know a whatever problem right and now we're starting to see the trauma it, you know you have to heal the trauma if you want to heal, heal some of the behaviors so and that's some of the work i did the second time we had a trauma group which we didn't have the first time because i don't I just think that lack of information, it was absent. So second time I went back, it was there. So you realize that having a father who ODs at the age of five is not normal? And having yeah, yeah, a stepfather yeah. who beats you or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's not normal not to talk about it because then you have abnormal behaviors when you're mm -hmm. silent about it, right? And now you, as a case manager, you deal with people just like you. Yeah, 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 for sure. So there's no, nothing anyone in Odyssey House can tell you that you can't see through pretty easily. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He hasn't done or he yeah. hasn't heard. I even see through my own because sometimes I uh, I like to I have good ideas about things and, I, and I'll sit there and go, yeah, all right, I'm going to stop the story right now. <laughs> yeah, because well, I, know, I know when I'm starting to manipulate myself about certain things. Too, in, you know? in AA, a lot of times they'll tell you if, if you've got a good idea, do the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Or I heard that this was the best feedback I got. Um, don't do your own uh, thinking stupid, you know. And I was like... I heard that. I was like, oh, my God, that's, that was the most profound thing I ever heard in my life. Before we run out of time, I want to point out one thing that Damon, you know, we talk in AA and everything about giving back and service and things like that. And Damon is like one of the most active people in the community uh, that has nothing to do with Odyssey House. Uh, with harm reduction, maybe just briefly touch on that so we can... Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and... Yeah, so when I left recovery, I was a really militant, kind of abstinent-based model guy, um, and I needed to be because it's the way I act, you know, in my addiction. So after a while I got introduced, you know, I met Mindy Vincent with the Harm Reduction Coalition, and 
got uh, introduced to the harm reduction model of recovery and I started kind of seeing, you know, and working with uh, IV drug users on the community and I started seeing how kind of the absent model is uh, useless to these guys. Like it, it's not, this information doesn't help them at all. So, and seeing how the harm reduction model is more helpful because it meets them where they're at, but we don't leave them there, right? And, you know, and the opposite of, uh, you know, alienation, depression, um, and addiction is that connection, right? And so, you know, being able to connect with these guys to help them kind of maybe just heal temporarily through our, our exchanges down there and then guiding them when they're, they're ready to, you know, receive. And I think the only reason I was able to, to perform the way I do is because going through Odyssey, they, they kept uh, exposing me to this concept, community, community, community. And I was like, mm -hmm. what does this mean? You know, I could look at the dictionary and be like, all right, that's what it means. But, and, you know, it didn't resonate in my soul. But, like, having the stage to practice community, showing up for others through this kind of encounter process, and it sounds like a cliche because we hear it in Odyssey, right? help me internalize that process. So when I left, because I usually will tear up my community, right? I always leave it worse than I found it. And so this community concept, like it taught me, you leave you leave your community better than you found it, whatever that is. Even if it's a conversation, you see someone on a bad day, you try to show up and you know maybe change that mood a little bit if you can, right? And, and that's just like really what I learned. And based on that, you know, I guess it honestly is a harm reduction model because a lot of things that Behaviors that we tackle in there, like most treatment centers will not tolerate. Like they, you can be exited, you know, that day because of certain things. And we'll, we're going to have a conversation. Well, I mean, we're not going to tolerate forever, you know, but, you know, and that's why I like Odyssey because it is a harm reduction model. You know, there's only a couple of things that will get you kicked out of there, violence, you know, put hands on somebody and bring drugs into the facility. And the rest of it we're going to work with because we understand that's a long process. And so we, we talked, last week's guest, Mike, talking about how he loves his job. Do you love being oh, part of it? Yeah, I do. And I, you know, and I like, you know, being able to work with Mike and some of the other staff there. Like, they were my, you know, teachers, my senseis, you know, Cheryl Shivers. I'm going to give her a shout out. She was there when I arrived and she's... She runs our adult program yeah, uh -huh. completely. Yeah. How's your family reacting to all this? Uh... To the change, or yeah. uh, they they like it. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, uh, who would be? You know. That might be the dumbest question I've ever well, asked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, like, well, he, he dumbest... seems like a good guy now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're really mad, and they wish I would stop. No. Yeah. But no, it took for a couple of years to even. I think after I left treatment, for them to kind of, you know, trust again, because they they would send me texts like, because I I work a couple jobs, so I'm always busy and I'm not the best at like you know. Calling, yeah, yeah, but I'm I'm doing good, and then they text me and be like, "What are you doing right now?" Because usually when you don't hear from Damon, he's somewhere doing wrong, you know. And I'll be like, "Well, I work two jobs and I'm busy," but now it's just like, wherever I stay, they believe, you know. I probably have more integrity than them. That's honestly, that's fantastic, yeah. Damon. Well, thank you so much for coming in. For Your sure. story, uh, you know, you you knocked your head against the wall numerous times. Yeah, and he was a slow learner, but when yeah. he learned, he learned it well. Yeah, yeah, you know. And my family could talk about me the same way. So, it you don't necessarily pick it up the first time or the second, but when you do, it's pretty valuable. Yeah, for sure. And I think like we gotta um, as a culture really think about the models of recovery using because like the punishment model, kind of legal system, force treat model is not showing a lot of results. But if you got a loving listening model, you know, like a harm reduction model, you're going to see a, a bigger impact and people are going to heal quicker and 
We'll have a lot less stress in the world. You know what I mean? We sure will. Randall, once again, the number to call if they want to reach out, any of our viewers. 801-322-3222. And that number was done specifically so I can remember. Remember, it is pretty easy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is. And again, if you've got a challenge, if you know someone who has a challenge, anyone, call that number. There are so many wonderful people in the state of Utah who really want to help. And there are some great people. We've met a ton on this show. Yeah, you don't have to come into Odyssey. There's a whole bunch of recovery groups. He works with one, uh, young, uh, what, YPR. Young, yeah, y, young people recovery. There's Isara, you know, there's Fellowship. There's, yeah. There's, there's a world of it. You can get but call that number and they will help you find some a group that's going to be amazing for you. And Damon, thanks a lot. Yeah, and for sure. We've enjoyed having you. We'll see you next time right here on Odyssey House Journals. Bye-bye.